1: PlushCare.com slash weight loss.
0: This is the Cork Today replay on
2: C103 as we welcome you along on Wednesday the 14th of July Happy Bastille Day uh, to any of our French listeners listening to us uh, today and it is Wednesday and normally on a Wednesday we have Peter Dowd who will answer your gardening questions but he's not with us today but he will be back with us next week as I can already see some people preempting that Peter would be on today and some questions are coming in so hold off on your gardening questions please until next a week but I am glad to report that we have yet another one of these wonderful smart speakers to give away on the programme today and we're having fantastic fun with these and as as we've continued to, to do since the start of the week and will continue to do for the rest of the week I will give you the cue when you need to text or WhatsApp don't do it before I tell you uh, to do it uh, because your entry won't be entered in for the draw there's a set period of time that we open up the text message in the WhatsApps to receive your entry we'll randomly select one of the listeners who will join me on air but you need to be able to repeat to me the winning phrase which is play C103 the idea being when you get your smart speaker that's what you'll be telling, one of the things you'll be telling your smart speaker to do is to play C103, that's the C103 smart speaker giveaway with done deal for all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships Uh, we'll do that later on today on the programme. Now also on the programme today we're going to be discussing the reopening of indoor hospitality Uh, and as we know uh, indoor hospitality is going to reopen for people who are fully vaccinated or people who have recovered from COVID-19 in the last six months and of course the big question uh, is and what's been discussed and one of the issues we'll address today on the programme is the system that's been put in place by the government and agreed by uh, NEFET is it discriminating and it is discriminating against those people who haven't been vaccinated the younger generation who are waiting to get vaccinated for example then there are those people who simply don't want to get vaccinated and people don't want to get vaccinated for different reasons. Many have very personal circumstances. It could be that somebody is pregnant and has been told not to get the vaccine. There also can be people who are planning to get pregnant and the advice is don't get the vaccine if you're planning to get pregnant. So it isn't always the case that somebody has just been bolshy and deciding I'm not getting the vaccine. There can be a lot of personal reasons as to why somebody isn't vaccinated and add into that all of the younger generations who are waiting to get vaccinated so if we open up indoor hospitality as the plan is going to be just for the vaccinated and those who have uh, recovered are we discriminating against a whole cohort of uh, people. And while many will say yes it seems very unfair to that group of people who are not vaccinated that they won't be able to dine indoors and they can still dine outdoors but without the way the weather even though we have great weather coming but the way some of the Irish weather and Irish summers can be it isn't always possible to dine uh, outside. So while it might be seen as unfair on them do we also then have to look at the workers in the hospitality industry and the tens of thousands of workers who will now be returning uh, to work and if we were to say to them, oh, well, it's unfair on those who haven't been vaccinated, let's hold off until more people are fully vaccinated, we would be asking those workers not to return to work for another two months. And the hospitality sector has been, the, has been one of the sectors that really, really has been ruined because of the pandemic. You know, the hospitality sector, the wet pubs, for example, some of them have remained closed now for 18 months. So, you know, the hospitality sector, does it deserve a chance to try to open up? And make a little bit of money, so we welcome uh, your thoughts uh, on on that particular topic. Are we discriminating against people who are not uh, vaccinated, or is it while it is unfair? Is it the right way to go? only allowing people vaccinated or fully recovered in for indoor dining for the next couple of months. Wait for more people to get vaccinated and then we can open it up uh, further. And people within the industry, I mean, very much welcoming the fact that they're going to be able to go back to work. But yesterday, there was a level of confusion around the COVID certificates and particularly the COVID certificates for people who have recovered from COVID-19. And suddenly now, now, trying to get your hands on one of these certificates is important. Initially, it was just for people who were going to travel overseas. There was seemed to be a rush on for those people to get it. But now that we know you're going to need it for indoor dining, suddenly people you know, who've recovered from COVID-19, not vaccinated, saying, I want my uh, cert. And there was an amount of confusion. Confusion reigned yesterday. And a lot of it seemed to centre around national media and interviews that were being given by various government ministers on national media that were then picked up by, say, uh, political journalists who were then tweeting out information that they heard, that they you know, were listening to in good faith. And then they had to retract. And certainly my Twitter feed was going off the Richter scale here while the programme was on. I couldn't keep up with somebody saying, yes, that's the case. I actually know they've backtracked. That isn't the case. And actually, I have to give kudos. All of the papers obviously are picking up on this confusion that reigned yesterday about the Covid digital uh, certificate but kudos to the Irish Daily Mail today who've put a timeline in place as to what was said and what wasn't said yesterday. Let me just quickly go through it. Half past eight yesterday morning, it was the Minister for Tourism Catherine Martin, she really kicked it off Uh, she was speaking on national radio and she says and I quote you can apply to your GP for a recovery cert or indeed you can apply to a testing centre after you've received a positive PCR test that would be valid for 180 uh, days. Now she said the recovery cert was available from the GP or the test centre 11 days after somebody uh, tested uh, positive. But Minister Martin also then incorrectly stated that the call centre was being operated by the HSE. HSC were at pains to point out yesterday it's not. It's been run by an outside group. So that was all happening at half past 8 yesterday morning. 10 to 10 then the Irish Daily Mail asked GP's We'll see you next time were they going to be administering these uh, certs. Minister for Health Stephen Donnelly's spokesman said, told the mail uh, the HSE would be providing them through the call centre and it wouldn't be the GPs. And then at five past ten, Dr Iloni Duffy and Dr Ray Wally, they were speaking on radio and they said their practices were already under pressure Were trying to provide some and try and then asking them to provide letters would literally just add to their workload. Dr Iloni Duffy said the Irish Medical Organisation had actually issued a letter stating that GPs would not be issuing certificates. Dr Ray Wally said that the first that GPs had heard about it was what they were hearing on the airwaves yesterday morning. Then we moved to 20 past 10 yesterday morning. The Minister for State Oshin Smith on national radio, apologised for Minister Catherine Martin's comments earlier in the morning saying GPs would not be issuing the recovery certs. He said it's a misunderstanding by Minister Martin. The doctors are right. They're not going to be involved in issuing the recovery certs. He apologised on her behalf. Then quarter past 12 yesterday, Minister Martin's spokesperson emailed the Irish Daily Mail and said the legislation required proof of immunity and this could include a letter from the relevant medical person and that that included a GP. So she's basically saying I was right in saying what, what I said. Then half five yesterday, government spokesperson says that GPs are not the first port of call. There will be people who have been diagnosed by a GP in those circumstances that person can go to a GP and get a letter then go to the call centre and get their Covid uh, certificate. The spokesperson said that a lab result was not necessary but that a GP could simply write a letter to say that they diagnosed the person with uh, Covid-19 and then you have to then go to the call centre and get your digital cert but it is proof it is proof of a recovery GPS certainly won't be happy to hear uh, hear that and then, at similar time half five again, the tonage to Leo Radker, he described the tourism minister catherine martin's earlier comments as a genuine misunderstanding and went on to apologize to GPS for the confusion. He says, and I quote from Leo Radker they're not going to be involved in the digital COVID cert. They're being provided by the government to the HSC, the Department of Health, and of course we know the Revenue Commissioners are posting them out. And then 10 minutes later, asked if a letter from a GP could grant you access to a restaurant. The GP, the Green Party spokesperson said, that's what's been worked on. There will be a small amount of people. The details are still being ironed out who will be able to get a note or a letter from their doctor and they can use that at the door of a restaurant prior to going in. Good God almighty. It's like the Greens are deciding that they are backing their minister and because she said it, we're not backing down no matter what anybody else says. So, so much confusion has reigned. And having said all of that, people I'm assuming will uh, are... Because yesterday we even mentioned how efficient this EU COVID digital certificate has been. I mean yesterday morning when I came on air at this, this time yesterday I said I wanted to find see had any of our listeners received one and I straight away got in a text from somebody who said yes they'd got an email earlier that was followed by somebody who said yes I've received one in the post and literally throughout the morning we were hearing from listeners saying they'd either got their cert by email or that they had received it in the post and it does seem to have seem to be a very very efficient system in our my own house household. All three of us received our cert yesterday. Hobby uh, got his first yesterday morning. I got mine. I got it in the evening time yesterday. I checked my email and there it was. And because Marcia didn't go to a vaccination centre, she would have gone uh, through the HSC. She ha- got hers uh, by post. It arrived uh, yesterday. I it When I went home, to th- her, hers was there in the post. When I went home yesterday and I picked up the letter with her name on it, it had come from the revenue commissioners and it didn't even click with me And even though I'd been talking on air saying the revenue commissioner's are posting them out, they're helping out the Department of help and the HSC, by posting them out, you, you kind, of, I kind of got a shotgun, oh, the Revenue Commissioner is going after My little girl, what's going on here? Ripped the letter open. Oh, it's only her COVID digital certificate. So just to warn people if you're getting it in the post, it does come from the Revenue Commissioner. So it is a very, very efficient system and they are reckoning that by tomorrow, certainly everyone should, who is to receive it by email, uh, that up to a million of them will be issued by email today. To people who have been uh, fully vaccinated. They are saying that they expect around 1% of emails will bounce back because of incorrect information provided on the form so some certainly will uh, bounce back uh, so the but overall it does seem to be very very efficient but just on the call centre that was set up for people who have recovered from COVID and people who will be seeking their certs uh, to do it th- that way The message that was given out yesterday that we gave out and we're giving out again today, they're asking people, even though the call centre is up and running, they're asking people not to call that call centre until next week. It's open this week just for those people who are travelling abroad and need to urgently get one of their digital certificates. Maybe they have a flight booked across the weekend or a flight booked on uh, Monday. Uh, But it does mean that people who are having a staycation and if you're staycationing and you've recovered from COVID, you'll need to have your certificate with you so you can get a little bit of indoor dining underway. So already people are saying they're now discriminating against people who are going on a staycation versus people that are holidaying abroad because the people who are holidaying abroad will be able to get their cert ahead of those who are staying at home. The discrimination continues. Hi Patricia on indoor dining. I passed my local country pub last night. There was two people outside at nine o'clock having a drink. It's a joke. It should be opened. They should be allowed back in. They need to open up uh, quick and hopefully it was a nice evening and they were able to sit outside and enjoy their uh, pint. Uh, and I know for certainly for the rural uh, pubs, many of those desperate to get back up. But how could a rural pub even? How would they even manage to do business if they're just two people sitting, sitting outside having a few drinks? How would you pay? Would it even pay to have the electricity on and to get the pumps going inside to draw the points? Uh, one wonders. Uh, and then on the COVID certificates, Larry says, Patricia, what happens if two people in the same house have the same first name and both receive their certs by post? <laughs> How do you know which belongs to who? Well, Larry, when you receive your certificate, it'll have your date of birth uh, on it and it'll also have the date that you got your vaccine as well but the most important one to differentiate who, which cert belongs to who it'll have it has your date of birth on it so you'll be able to because I'm assuming that if it was two Larrys in the one house you both weren't born on the same day I'm, I'm assuming it wasn't twins both called uh, Larry uh, so your date of birth will be on it Eileen says Patricia what about indoor dining the journal today has it that it said in the doll that some of the people in hospital have received their two vaccines could you please check which vaccines they've received even a breakdown between M, the, R, the mRNA vaccines are the AstraZeneca or the Janssen vaccines. This information should be made available to everybody in the country, uh, says Eileen. I, yeah, I, I, I would endeavour to try to find out how many people are in hospital. It would be a very small percentage of people will be in hospital with, who have been doubly vaccinated but that would be all over the world from all of the vaccines, from the Pfizer, the Moderna, the Johnson & Johnson, the AstraZeneca. There will always be what's called breakthrough. Uh, we've discussed this before. No vaccine is 100% will stop you getting COVID-19 but what the vaccines do is they pre- prevent you in the main from getting very unwell and, pos- and ending up in the hospital or God forbid uh, even dying but there will always be what they call breakthroughs and that's why they worry about things like the Delta variant and more powerful variants That what will happen if vaccines into the future don't work against uh, certain variants. That's why it's important that we keep the numbers down. But I don't I don't know if I've ever seen when I've seen where they talk about cases of people being in hospital and they've either had one dose of the vaccine or two doses of the vaccine. I don't know if you can actually get a breakdown of what vaccine. And it, w- it wouldn't really matter anyway because all vaccines uh, operate in pretty much the same way. Some, yes, are more efficient against certain strains. Absolutely. Uh, but we'll, I'll see. I'll absolutely see if I can find out for you. But there will always be cases even when we are fully vaccinated, that's when we need to get rid of COVID-19 uh, completely. That's why it's so important that we all still abide by all of the rules on social distancing and the mask wearing. And I thought our professor yesterday, uh, John Wenger, I thought his information on proper ventilation. We need to make sure if we are indoors, wherever we are indoors, to make sure that we have proper ventilation and that the cross ventilation that he spoke about, having a door and a window opposite open, open, so that there's a good breeze coming through if you've got a large group of people all together in one uh, one area we still have a long way unfortunately to go but we're getting there let's stay positive we are getting there John Paul taking your calls 1850 333 103 you can text our WhatsApp 0862
0: 103 103 Court today on
3: C103 With John Cusack Insurance as Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie
2: The rural independent group of TDs are calling on the government to immediately allow for the reopening of all indoor hospitality to everyone Everyone, whether vaccinated or not, and joining me from the group West Cork Independent Door Deputy Michael Collins. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Professor. and you're welcome. You believe allowing only vaccinated people to dine indoors would do nothing to reduce the risks of uh, uh, COVID. Is, is is that what you're saying?
4: that's what we're uh, saying and especially in this motion that's uh, being discussed this minute I'm just uh, down from the door myself five minutes discussion on the motion which is going to be voted on tonight and what we're saying is you know nobody can say to us that opening the hospitality sector is going to be in, in addition to the spreading of the delta variant or whatever Uh, coronavirus variant is is there at the present time because most of these businesses have been closed for 400 days while uh, the coronavirus was raging and it surrounds all over uh, Ireland at the same time. So what we're saying is that, uh, in this motion, and we're making it very clear, we do, we don't want a two-tier society, and this is what's starting, we're starting to do in this country. And um, we want people to open the hospitality sector in a very safe manner, obviously segregation in, in, in the bar, the people are sorry, so, so much apart, and that they'll be vaccinated, sorry, not vaccinated, but uh, sanitized and masked. When they uh, enter the the building, the same as other people are allowed to uh, allowed continue, we hear now the legislation that's been put through the door this evening, we have a motion. The government have, are trying to change legislation, which seemingly is all over the place, because uh, Minister Catherine Martin said yesterday that all the certificates can be got from the GPs. The you know, Brad tonish uh, uh, came out after said, absolutely not, this is wrong. Uh, the 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 GP sorry uh, came out and said absolutely they will not be issuing these uh, COVID certificates. So um, there's uh, a they, lot of
2: confusion around those certs for, sh- uh, for sure. It's rushed for sure. What you're talking about is similar to what we did last summer when we reopened, and there was a lot of indoor dining. A lot of people went away on uh, staycations, and it worked.
4: It worked because people. You see, I th- I think there's there's a, a grave suspicion in, in, in government about the people's intentions here. Yeah, I think people have 99% of people are always going to get the rogue characters out there alright, but the 99% of people are trying to act responsibly. Nobody wants to get the coronavirus or spread the coronavirus. So I think everybody, if the doors were left open a few weeks ago and very you know, discussions prior to the doors reopening with the uh, the, the, the three and a half thousand people affected out there, either the restaurant owners or, or, or the publicans, they, they would have put together a very, very safe plan to the government. But unfortunately, the horse bolted, they made a decision to keep them closed. For some reason, they have the, the same hellbent reason and the same businesses to keep them closed for the whole time. And and then when all hell broke loose in their past, Parliamentary party meetings—they realise, oh my God, we made a bit of a mistake here. Let's let's backpedal now and see what what can we say face with. But unfortunately, we're, there's going to be a huge amount of confusion, and we're creating no confusion. We're putting it back into the business people's hands uh, that 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 mind our customers, take care of the customers, and will definitely do what needs to be done there. But not having to man doors, telling people maybe someone comes in says, "Oh my God, I forgot my certificate," but you know me, you know me. for the last 25 years, I'm coming in here, I'm telling you the truth. No, sorry. Stay outside the door, you it'd be absolute war to be war and a and fierce upset and, and I I heard another radio station this morning and I coming in um, in the radio and he, he was apologizing. Already he's apologizing to his customers that he's going to have to insult them and hurt them because some of them are going to be genuine, he's not going to be able to take their word at the door because they're maybe elderly they forgot something, they're sort of you know, it's it's a crazy situation. It's unworkable, it's unfair to ask businesses to do it, uh, Patricia. And what they should have done was they should have reopened the businesses in, and absolutely have full discussions with them. Make sure that the sector would reopen safely, and how would they safeguard their customers and the public? And they could have done that. This sector is worth five billion, five to seven and a half billion to the Irish economy, and, and there are two hundred and sixty thousand jobs at stake here. And what we're we're trying to put forward is a very clear set motion uh, that uh, uh, you know shows a clear way of opening these businesses. What's happening tonight is rushed. And completely rushed falling over each other's uh, making up legislation. It's rushed legislation makes for bad legislation. It's ever known here. And unfortunately, that's what's going to happen here. Would I, you
2: I, would you be in favour of antigen testing for those not vaccinated?
4: I would, in fairness. I've called for that at a very early stage. I think I was I was the only TD maybe in the county on the, on the health COVID health committee. And I realise very soon, you know, to get we talk about airports and people flying and businesses. Absolutely, every test that can be done should be done if if um, if required. But unfortunately. These businesses were never given, and the same with the religious orders in relation to baptisms, communions, confirmations. They were given; they're never given an option. You know, there's always a way around everything, and and that's what other businesses who are allowed open are, are creating other ways around um, uh, this, this this terrible time that they're they're walking. In. But these businesses are given no choice, and these publicans and restaurateurs are are the gun is to their head. They'll do anything to open the door because their businesses are going under. And unfortunately this is a terrible way and a terrible infliction on these businesses to have to mend their, their, their regular customers to the point of like a body service for them.
2: Okay, some comments in. Michael in uh, Skibbereen. Uh, they are doing this to get the bars uh, open. What solution does Michael have? Do we ignore the health advice from Neffert? Because Neffert are the ones saying that we should only allow vaccinated and those fully recovered. Uh, what does Michael Suggests we should do. Does Michael suggest we should do away with an effort altogether? Michael says, please remember what happened at Christmas and then the results in January and February.
4: Yeah, what happened in Christmas was, was very clear. Uh, the pub public houses weren't allowed the open, there was illegal uh, parties all over the place in and sheds and, what we, and what's not, and we know what went on. And that's where the, the that is biggest reason why the coronavirus was, instead of having the public houses and the restaurants opened in a regulated manner, where people would have uh, been uh, basically uh, abiding by the rules that are in the house at the time, and that that would have worked. In relation to the method, it is, is, it's very, very important that this country has uh, getting there before advises, but it's not, it cannot run the country. outside facility but they can tell me uh, what what is going on in their business plus the other 3,498 publicans and restaurant owners that are their business have been destroyed in this country
2: Well somebody sent in a text they were passing their little rural country pub yesterday evening at, uh, last night 9 o'clock uh, to see two people sitting outside having a pint just, there was only two people there and you know making the point could they not just be sitting inside uh, having their pints but obviously abiding by all the rules and the regulations they, no, thankfully it was a dry night but if it started to rain that was it they were gone they'd have to go they, they'd have to go home uh, now listen a couple of people and you don't have to answer this if you, if you don't want to because it's, it's up to yourself wondering have you been vaccinated and also people commenting on M- Matty McGrath Jerry and Douglas in particular saying that he was really taken aback by Matty Matty McGrath's comments with regards to Nazism and likening what's happening here to what happened in Germany in the early 1940s. Jerry said it's insens- insensitive and it should be left as part of world history. Uh, why did Matty feel the need to bring that up and where does uh, Michael Collins stand on this? There's a Jewish community in Cork who took grave offence to these comments.
4: Well, first and foremost, uh, there was... Uh Statements made in the print yesterday. Unfortunately, I got caught in traffic and I missed that uh, press conference in the print uh, yesterday morning. Apparently, and uh, as I said, I didn't hear, but I only heard. You know, uh, it's like not going to school because you met the scholars coming home. I met. The, I heard the comments afterwards. Um, I did speak to Matthew McGrath on the issue because it caused quite a lot of concern and upset to people. He said, he said he he never made the comments. That the comments were made by a reporter. Again, he was saying, are you green or not agreeing? And he said, well, that's kind of up to yourself. If You're green. Maybe we'd all agree, but. You know, I don't, he didn't to come out. He said not say if He would never say it like that. That's what he said to me. As I said, I wasn't there, and I can't. Uh, I certainly wouldn't be making those comments uh, if, they, if those comments were made. I wouldn't be making them myself, one hundred percent, because I'm very focused on on all, um, all all motion here, and all motion is very, very focused on reopening businesses, trying to get the economy back up and running again, in a very safe manner. I'm fully aware of the changes that are out there, and and one other issue. And I, I mean, I, I can't understand. what We just say. If our motion is, is, is blocked tonight and, and the legislation goes through in the government, you're going to have a situation where you'll be, we'll just see 18-year-olds walking in bars, male or female, doesn't matter which, and they want to get vaccinated. That's what, what we'll say. They want to get vaccinated. They can't because it isn't available at this present time. They'll serve uh, vaccinated people uh, inside, all night long, inside. But if they, if their boss says at 11 o'clock, look, you finish up then go have a drink for yourself, uh, uh, they must get outside the door immediately because if they don't, they'll be fine. So they can walk in all night long, non-vaccinated, walking around people all night long, but when it comes uh, to deciding to sit down and have one drink themselves, whatever they do, they'll be fine severely if they're caught inside in the same business that they've been working in all night. This is unworkable. It's unimaginable that you come up with something like this without it being properly focused on. And and unfortunately, it's going to lead to a lot of legal challenges, a lot of division, um, you know, where you're going to have... Situations where people will feel that they're discriminated against, um, and 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 you know, communities, friends against friends, families against families, communities against communities, uh, and I don't see it reducing the risk. Uh, of, 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 I don't see it reducing COVID after.
2: OK actually a couple of people are making that point how how safe is it going to be for unvaccinated uh, people uh, because they are the young people they are the ones who are going to be working in these uh, restaurants while others are saying I like the idea that it's for vaccinated people only I will feel more secure when I'm out dining knowing that everybody else in the restaurant is uh, fully vaccinated except as Michael Collins is pointing out the person serving you the food more than likely isn't going to be vaccinated OK alright this rumbles on uh, Michael we leave it there listen thank you for that and thanks thank for you. joining us joining uh, us on the uh, programme that is West Cork uh, Doll Deputy Michael Collins 1850 and I can give you an update on what's going on in with the huge tailback going into the tunnel, the Jack Lynch uh, tunnel. There was a collision at the northeastbound exit from the Jack Lynch tunnel. It's resulted in delays on the N40 approach to Dunkettle interchange, and uh, traffic is queuing because of that. Okay, so there was a, it's a, an accident at the exit uh, to the Jack Lynch uh, tunnel, the northbound uh, exit. Avoid, please. 1850 333 103. Jump all text. Your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862. 0860- 103
0: 103. Court today
3: on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie.
2: Now, with the news that indoor dining and hospitality will reopen to the public next week, let's check with publicans to see how they're preparing for the reopening. Michael O'Donovan is Cork Chair of the Vitness Association of Ireland, and uh, Michael uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Michael. Good
5: morning, Patricia.
2: Um, Do do we have a firm date as to when you're opening?
5: Uh, as of now, no, but look, I suppose what we've been told is if the legislation will go through the Dáil, it'll uh, be introduced into the Dáil today, uh, it'll go through the Dáil today being Wednesday and Thursday, and also into the Shannon then Friday, Thursday evening, Friday morning. So if it all goes to plan, it should go to the President um, for the legislation, obviously it has to be signed, Uh, Friday evening, Um, so the President will, I suppose, uh, have his advisers examine it, look at it, and hopefully he would sign it by Monday, and then it would take probably two days for Fault Ireland. Um, They're working on the protocols to issue them, so what we're being told is hopefully we'll be ready to go by either Thursday 22nd, Friday 23rd, but if there is an issue, uh, it'll be the latest Monday the 26th. So somewhere in there, Patricia.
2: Okay, you you would ideally like to get the weekend out, but get open yeah, bit. Yeah,
5: look, for, for our colleagues, I suppose those especially in staycation areas that depend on the summer trade, you know, there's only five weekends left. If they lose one, obviously it's simple to do the maths. They're down to four. So every weekend counts for them. Um, while we 're while we 're here in this vacation market, so the sooner they get open, you know the necessity to generate revenue, uh, i suppose create employment in their areas and um, and you know I suppose people on vacations the, the word we 're hearing is they can 't service them all because at outdoors at the moment there 's just not the capacity to do it, so uh, when we go indoors, people that are away that have you know been i suppose cooped up at home for the last year um they want to go out and enjoy themselves so it'll be better for them as well when we go indoors that there'll be more capacity so they'll be, be guaranteed that they can get out and enjoy themselves.
2: So you're still in a bit of a limbo land then for, for from an ordering point of view?
5: It is the small bit and look I suppose this is the conundrum you know we've been down this road I've spoken to you I don't know how many times over the last 12 months where we gear ourselves up for opening and um, and like looked on myself July the 5th I got in all my stock Uh, Some of it had to be returned again the following week. So I think we're being bit coy this time that we're going to wait until next week to see what's going to happen, uh, especially with the president, because, look, nobody can influence the president. He has to make his decision on that legislation. Uh, We're hopeful that we will be given the opportunity to open. It's it's in circumstances that we didn't want with this vaccine certificate, but we were given two alternatives, either open with this vaccine certificate or stay closed until September, October. And you know, look, nobody knows what new variants may come in the meantime, so uh, look some of our members, as I have said, in staycation areas, they need to open because they won't survive a second winter uh, having been closed for a lot of last year, so they need to get open and get some bit of revenue in in the five five weeks that they'll be open, so you know we were left in a in a tough spot to to to, to go with this, but um but look the 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 overall feeling is. We just need to get open and, um, and hopefully we'll be able to do it successfully.
2: How are your members feeling about having to check vaccine passports at the door on the way in?
5: Um, look, we're not too happy about it. We never want to be asking public for their, you know, private health information or if you're vaccinated or not. It's, this, this is far from ideal. But um, as I said, this is what we'll have to do to get open. And like we will still have the Fault Ireland regulations and restrictions imposed on us when you get in. <clears throat> Excuse me, but... Um, But, look, we have one major concern is, you know, what if somebody comes along, you know, um, you have a group of four girls, four boys, out for a night out, Uh, three of them have vaccine certificates, one may have forgotten it, or, you know, one mightn't have it. And, like, we're going to be splitting up that group. You know, it's going to put us in a... Uh, you know an unenviable task really to be doing this but it's what we have to do to try and protect people that will be inside and outside so look we'll be just asking for the public to work with us on this hopefully we're, we're hoping we're told that when we get the herd immunity of 80 percent that we'll be able to end this It'll practice gone, yeah. um, and like look we're told we should be there with vaccine supplies by the end of august you know, maybe the first... Well, they're saying now
2: September. They're saying September that everyone who wants a vaccine...
5: Yeah, into the first two weeks of September and we'd hope that it would end at that stage because we don't want to be policing this.
2: Okay and I don't know if you've got answers to some of the questions a lot of people are saying will there be a time limit on indoor drinking are we back to the one hour 45 minutes
5: Yeah look at present look we're we're obviously in engagement with officials in um, in the departments and we are look we're asking if people are vaccinated surely they can be safer you know or safe indoors um, once they're vaccinated so time limits should be removed um, we were asking as well that bar counters especially for rural pubs it's, it's probably the the mainstay of their business be um, be left in use when people are vaccinated indoors. But look, I think we will probably make progress on the time limit. But the the the, the bar counter, unfortunately, is a no go area at the moment.
2: Okay, and as you say, you've got to wait on to Ireland to get the the official guidelines. And somebody yeah. else is, is is saying, John is saying, uh, could you ask Michael? Uh, does he have concerns for young staff who won't be fully vaccinated, and how safe will they be?
5: yeah look it it is a concern look we've, um, we've, we 've we've we obviously have protocols in place that they 'll have to wear a mask they 'll be sanitizing um, stations you know in use for them um, and look it it is a concern now the one thing that we've that we have been hearing over the last number of days by doing zoom calls with the different branches around cork and and also around countries. a lot of staff actually have either got one vaccine or have got the, the Janssen vaccine and um, um, so I think uh Obviously they won't have their second vaccine Those that have got the one vaccine But a lot have got it Yes good, there, there will good, be yeah. some still that won't have the vaccine But look as an employer We cannot ask them have they been vaccinated We can encourage them to get vaccinated But look once we have the protocols in place And they're mask wearing at all times Hopefully that should prevent okay, any infection.
2: And when those protocols are out, we'll speak again next week. Uh, Michael, in the meantime, thank you for that. And thanks for joining us. Thanks, Patricia. Good morning. morning. To, uh, Michael O'Donovan there, Cork Chair of the Vintners Federation of Ireland.
0: Cork today on C103. With John
3: Cusack Insurances Can Sale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie.
2: Can anybody uh, tell us and send us a text please if they can confirm if uh, 35 year olds have received their vaccines or have have at least got an appointment to say that they're getting vaccines? Because the listener says does anybody know if they've been given vaccines to 35 year olds? Yes. My niece and her husband both aged 35 are still waiting for an appointment. They registered three weeks ago and they're living in Mallow. And I know what's happened in the past when we put shout outs for a particular age group. We might hear for example people in West Cork who at that age had received the vaccine or people in the city may have received it and it, I, I think it has a tendency to do with what volume in a particular age group are in an area and if you've got more 30 year olds say living in North Cork than you'd have in West Cork then the West Cork ones are going to get vaccinated quicker than the ones in North Cork. That certainly has happened in the past before but I don't know. I have heard of people in their 30s receiving their vaccines but we're looking for people in the North Cork uh, area. Uh, anyone around the 30s 35 age group, have they either already got their vaccines or have they at least got an appointment date? Because they are certainly are working through the 30 year olds at the moment. So, if anybody can throw some light on that, please let us know so we can pass on the information to the listener. And then I just checked in with Citizens Information for another listener who, where's that text gone? Saying, Hi, Patricia, my daughter just finished her leaving certificate in June. She's uh, 19. In July, she was cut off my disability payment. Can you try and find out? why please she's starting college in September uh, thanking you so I checked with Citizen's information wonderful wonderful or uh, mine of information that they always are and on disability allowance children aged 18 and uh, over you continue getting an increase for a qualified child for three months after he or she leaves second level school so I don't know why why you got cut off in uh, July but they also pay qualified child allowance if your son or daughter remains in full-time education it's paid up to the age of 22 so I would suggest what you do there either get onto your local citizen's information or get back onto the department uh, just to see uh, if your child does qualify but looking certainly on um, citizen's information online if it's a long term social welfare payment, which a disability allowance is, and your child is in full time uh, education, uh, you're paid up to the age of uh, 22 or the end of the ap- academic year in which they are 22. But somebody else then was asking about the back to school clothing and footwear allowance, again to do with the 19 uh, year old, but who will be going to college in September can I apply for the allowance or is it only for second level education we looked into this last week and the back to school clothing and footwear allowance they do pay it out up to the up to the age of 22 as well but they must be in full time education and it's secondary school education it isn't for those going to college so for that listener you, you can't apply for that but for the listener on the disability I certainly would get on to the department just to find out particularly when your daughter is going on to college whether they're going to ask you to wait until she goes to college even though looking at this information it says it should be paid out for three months after they leave school and I'm assuming that allows for the transition between second level and on into college. I would be getting on to the department there. okay. what else is coming in? I think the vaccine passport and the digital COVID certificate that people are going to be asked to use to go to indoor hospitality. I see that as a form of discrimination, says this listener. People who haven't taken the vaccine for good reasons will be barred now from a lot of things. I haven't got the vaccine and I'm not taking it and it's on health grounds. But what price do I now not have to pay for not taking a COVID jab? I've got on to five TDs about this with a letter explaining the legal problems. I've just got a reply from two of them. Well, of course, there are legal issues when it comes to the discrimination. That's the reason legislation has to be put through the door. That's the legislation I was speaking to with Michael Collins. And we know that they're going the doll is going into recess for the summer holidays on Thursday or Friday into this week that's why the legislation has to go through to allow pubs to open because on the discrimination grounds alone people would be able to say you you have to allow me in because it states it in the constitution so that's why this legislation and there is a sunset clause on the legislation it's going to be put in place I think for three months that's if it all goes through and is signed off by the President but that's why even though yes you can say there's legal problems to it there is at the moment but when they change the legislation that's going to cover the legal problems that they would have at the moment if they opened up just for vaccinated people without changing uh, the legislation uh, Patricia, one certainty the politicians are all going on their holidays and the way that the things are set up we will be the ones the good citizens of this country will be the ones blamed when the virus reignites the boys will say, we were off on our holidays Who's in charge? is it the other fellow again? and I don't know who you mean by the other fellow uh, if you want to clarify uh, that but the listener reckons are you saying that they shouldn't have a summer holiday this year because we have a pandemic 185333103 hi uh, patricia how is it fair on people who will be travelling into this country from overseas when they arrive here to be told no indoor dining or they can't go inside for a pub. Surely they should have been told about this before they, they come to this country. Well, they've clarified that as well. People who will be travelling from overseas. Obviously, anybody coming from Europe will have the, their digital certificate with them so they will be OK. They'll have proof of vaccines. But people, for example, who are coming from the United States, I don't know if we're going to get many tourists from the United States. So people travelling from our nearest neighbour, the UK, I think the bulk, a lot of our I think this year possibly are going to come from England people back visiting family members uh, etc once they bring proof that they have been vaccinated with their NHS they'll have the way we have our you know the 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 cardboard the little cards that you got when you got vaccinated well the NHS issued similar cards to people Right throughout the UK, so they'll be able to bring their NHS cards with them. So they will be allowed once they're vaccinated. Uh, they will be allowed to dine indoors. Now, what they'll do for if they've recovered from COVID, I'm not too sure. But certainly, th- for those that are vaccinated, once they can prove they're vaccinated, they will be allowed to dine indoors. It was queried at the start: Would we be stopping people from overseas? not dining inside tourists but uh, we've been told no they've certainly changed that uh, Con Interelton was listening to rural independent TD Michael Collins uh, speaking in the last hour and he says all of the opposition parties seem to be the same they don't seem to be able to give any safe way that we can reopen it seems to be all about votes with them they seem to be taking the populist version on everything Con Interelton is not impressed and then a listener Liz Downs thanks Liz when you're name on your WhatsApp says older people Patricia should be receiving a hard copy of their digital COVID certificate as I'm sure some of them will not have a printer and Liz is the Vice Chair of the Older People Council with Cork County Council which is something you know I thought about yesterday when we were talking about the COVID certificates arriving and like mine arrived by email and I was able to print it off. Now by having it on email I do have it on my phone so I will be able to use it on my phone as well and they're saying that the COVID tracker app they're going to do some work on that so we'll be able to put our certificates onto that as well but Liz is, is right not every older person will have uh a smartphone, or will you know, a phone that will have their emails on them when they're going around with them, and that they will need to have the paper, the hard copy of it. The only thing I will say is, when I thought about this yesterday, the majority of older people, certainly the people over the age of seventy, remember they were the first to receive the COVID jabs. All of them received their COVID their vaccines. They received it at their GP practice and we do know the people that got it through their GP practice, they are getting a hard copy of it. They will be receiving theirs by post. So I don't know how many older people would have gone to a vaccine centre where they would be getting it by email. So I don't know if that problem is actually going to arise uh, if not. But if it does you would just like to hopefully think that the older person would have some maybe family member that might be able to help them out and might be able to print off the actual vaccine the certificate for them uh, themselves. And then morning, Patricia. We are trying to decide on whether to go to the UK on the 24th of July or not. We're hoping to go for a family gathering. It'll be two years since we've seen our family in the UK. Now we're all fully vaccinated, but we have one child traveling with us, a child aged eight. Now, no matter how many hours I spend online, I can't find concrete information on what would be required for us flying to the UK and then returning back into Ireland it is mind boggling is there anyone who can give us any concrete information on what the criteria for testing for PCR no PCR antigen testing quarantining can anybody tell me what's going to happen with regard to the 8 year old well I can tell you because this only broke yesterday that children aged under 12 will not need to have a PCR test when entering the state coming back Into Ireland from next week. The rule at the moment currently only applies to children under seven. Children under seven don't need to have a PCR test, but children over seven do. But that change is coming in from next week, and I'm told it's bringing us in line with other EU uh, countries. And we know next Monday, 19th of July, we are opening up to international travel. So you certainly won't need to be running around the UK before you return home to have the little one get a PCR test in order for her to get on the plane. As to going into the UK, you're going to have to check. I mean, it's the one thing with anyone who's making any decision around travelling okay, all well and good, you'll have your digital COVID cert and that's proof that you have been uh, fully vaccinated or it's proof that you've tested negative or it's it's proof that you've recovered from the virus. But what you're going to have to do, and I can't even suggest that you do it today for travel next month because things change so fast with COVID. You're going to have to check with each individual country to see what they actually require. And 24th you're getting close enough you're going to need to check with the UK I would go online to maybe the NHS and find out what is the criteria for travellers coming into the UK. I mean I'm assuming that the UK will be recognising the EU digital certificates. Now I'm not saying that they're going to have the scanners for them because they're not part of the EU but at least you'll be able to prove that all of you are vaccinated so you'll be okay travelling traveling out of the country and travelling back in. But I would suggest you're going to have to get information from the UK as to will they require the little 8 year old to have PCR testing. But the fact that the rest we're changing to under 12 euros not needing a PCR test and we're doing that to bring us in line with the rest of Europe I would take from that that the UK is probably the same as well but the fact that they're not in the EU you just you need to check I I will be saying check but it is all a bit confusing at the moment for people who are trying to make that decision uh, whether they will travel uh, or not 1850 333 103 John Paul taking your calls you can text our WhatsApp to 0862 103
0: 103 C103 Jobs
2: a refrigeration apprentice is wanted, it's for Ray Refrigeration, they're based in Mitchellstown. A teleporter driver is wanted, it's for long-term work and it's in Kinsale. While a general operative is wanted for a concrete polishing company that's based in, uh, in North Cork. And the Blue Haven Hotel Collection. They have a vacancy for an experienced operations manager. You will find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103.
0: Court today on C103.
3: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie.
2: Now the government is under fire for for its failure to secure a commitment from Aer Lingus to keep workers on the books when Cork Airport closes for 10 weeks. It closes from September through to November. Cork Solidarity TD McBarry says the plight of workers has been ignored and uh, McBarry joins me. Good morning to you Mick.
6: Good morning to you Patricia. Uh,
2: Do you know how many workers in total will be laid off because I'm, I'm assuming it's not just Aer Lingus staff here.
6: It's not. Aer Lingus will lay off 198 members of staff uh OCS, who are a facilities company who do cleaning at the airport, they help you on if you have a wheelchair or something like that, uh, they will be laying off approximately 25. Uh, there are other uh, big employers out there like uh, Swissport, and I'm not certain of what the position is there yet, but certainly I think you're safe in saying that several hundreds of walkers face being laid off for at least 10 weeks between September and November in Cork Airport.
2: But you do accept that this work on the runway is necessary and will be great for the airport going forward?
6: The work on the, the runway is necessary. Uh, it will be very important for the airport going forward. Uh, 40 million euro. Uh, it strengthens the position of uh, uh, Cork Airport going into the future. Um, but the question is, what about the workers? Um because they are being faced with temporary layoff, which means that they have to go and sign on. It means that benefits that they would normally have in terms of dental, optical, etc., uh, are suspended. It means their pensions are broken. And it means that they're negotiating position with their employers who are looking for, in the case of Aer a five-year wage freeze, wage cuts, lower starting rates, the acts to be taken to the sick pay scheme and to duty allowances is being uh, weakened. Um, And it could be very different. And the reason why I'd say it could be very different is Aer Lingus and other airport employers are surviving at the moment. They're being kept afloat on the basis of state funding. Part of the state funding they receive is the EWSS, the Employment Wage Subsidy Scheme, where the bulk of their wages are paid by the state, by the taxpayer. Um, they've been kept on the books for more than a year and a quarter of a pandemic. And I believe that the government should say to Aer Lingus and the other uh, airport employers uh, that runway repairs, closing down the airport for 10 weeks, necessary, go ahead and do that. But you've got to keep the workers on the books. We're providing the money and it's, it's a condition here The condition is you keep the workers on the books and you don't lay them off. So
2: if if the government is paying the EWSS, have Erlingus said why they're laying off the workers?
6: The chief executive officer of Erlingus, uh, Lynn Embleton, was before the Oireachtas Transport Committee several weeks back. And when she was there, she said that the decision to uh, lay the workers off was taken at a time when there wasn't clarity about the future of the EWSS. And that's a statement of fact. However, clarity has since been uh, given. The EWSS is in place until the, 20, the 31st of December. In other words, for the entirety of the periods that the runway repair work is being done. So I believe that Lingus do not have uh, any kind of a real or a strong excuse for not keeping the workers on the books. Nevertheless, At the same time that they are trying to force through pay freezes uh, and cuts in conditions on the workers of quite a savage character, they've made the choice, and it is a choice, to lay the workers off. And the government, who have the power to, to force them to change their mind on that, are not lifting their little finger. If you think about it, Patricia, in the airport constituency, you have the Taoiseach, you have the Minister for Foreign Affairs, Simon Coveney, And you have the Minister for Public Expenditure and Reform, Michael McGrath, three of the most powerful politicians in the state. And I think that they have failed to even lift their little finger in order to try and persuade Erlingas and the other airport employers to keep the workers on the books, and I okay, think well pressure I, needs to be brought on. Let me so that they do
2: so. Okay, let me bring in uh, Fine Gael Senator Jerry Boshmar, who joins me uh, on the other line. Good morning to you, you, you Jerry. Um, uh,
6: good morning, this, Patricia. D- and good morning, Mick.
2: This is very unfortunate on, on the workers, isn't it? And, and listening to Mick, can you understand
7: why Erlingus are laying them off? Well, I suppose there's a couple of points we must make, Patricia. First of all, Dublin Airport Authority are not laying off them. EWSS is available, as is the poor payment, uh, to different employers during the pandemic. Some staff have been redeployed to different sites. Some are available of the EWSS. The advantage is that it keeps people employed and on the books of the EWSS. The government is hugely devoted uh, of the airport and of airport staff. I myself have my airport staff on a regular basis. Uh, it's it, it disappointing that McBarry uh, we've come in the lead to, to weigh in on a project of, of, of 10 million, the biggest project in aviation in Cork in over a decade. Uh, understanding that, there are concerns that manoeuvres have expressed around Aer Lingus and the role of Aer Lingus management. And I'm a member of the Transport Committee uh, that met with Aer Lingus. Uh, government have, have met with Aer Lingus, have strongly advised Aer Lingus to do the right thing and, and to go for the EWSS approach. Here in Cork, Aer have given a strong, clear commitment that the job is in the base return uh, as and when it reopens and demand returns, uh, and the base will reopen as you know. Uh, this is a, an important project for Cork. Um, this project was to take place later, but it's been brought forward. Cork Airport is the second busiest in the country. Uh, Erlingus, uh, yeah,
2: you're you're uh, going to have to just sorry, y- your your phone Erlingus. is your phone is is waving in and out on, on, sorry, on us, and you're making important Erlingus.
7: points. Airlinker, uh, as you know, Patricia, is not the national carrier the anymore. Uh, they are losing 100 million in the first two months of this year, on top of 21 million for last year. Uh, but in saying that, uh, what we must ensure is that the jobs in Cork are returned and are retained uh, and all of us who've been involved in, in this project uh, as, as members of the Transport Committee and in the, the whole transport for the past year and a half have been working diligently on behalf of workers, on behalf of the airport in Cork uh, and we are not you know, shy in our, in, our, in our support and in our advocacy but it is important to recognize that in Cork we now have a project that will sustain the airport for a generation there is a whole new Line of work being done that is important and is pivotal to the re uh, emergence of Cork post COVID 19. And it's important to recognise that government have supported the airport to the tune of 10 million in the reconstruction project and have given 40 million plus to Cork Airport. Uh, oh, in the last number of years. Okay, let me
2: let me bring let me bring Mick um, uh, back in, uh, Mick. This is a project that will will kickstart Cork as we emerge from uh, COVID. Uh, can you not just be happy that this project is going ahead?
6: I am happy that the project is going ahead. We need to be clear as to what the issue is in this discussion, uh, and also clear as to what the issue is not. Uh, the issue is not. An investment of forty billion in Cork Airport. Uh, myself and Jerry Buttermore can agree that this is a positive thing for the airport, it's a positive thing for Cork, uh, and uh, we're both in support of that work being done. So where the discussion and debate is here is what happens to the hundreds of workers at the airport during those ten weeks. Are they, on the one hand, temporarily laid off, forced to go and sign with a major question mark as to when they'll get back in uh, and what's the story with their, their, their wages and conditions. Or, on the other hand, are they kept on the books? I'm saying very clearly that every single worker in the airport should be kept on their company books for the duration of that period. And I'm also saying that the state who is providing the bulk of the wages for Aer Lingus and the other companies should insist that that be the case. Jerry, it seems to me, is saying that the government will provide the companies with the cash but will not attach any conditions to it and it's up to the companies to decide. In other words, like Pontius Pilot, that he and his government colleagues will wash their hands of the fate of the Aerlingus workers and the other airport workers, and I'm saying that is not good enough and it's the reason why I'm calling him out and putting him on hot today.
2: Jerry You you can't
6: you can't yeah. call me out, Nick and you can't put
7: me on the spot because first of all uh, Government have worked extensively to ensure that the jobs will be sustained. Nobody, make, and you're being disingenuous to this, nobody from any political party has called for and has accepted any uh, of job losses. Go- government have been very clear with Erlingus, and, and the chief executive of Erlingus has said the court base will return. Uh, it is a very, Sherry, you're going
2: to have to move again. Sorry, you're, you're,
7: yeah. Sorry, Government have supported the aviation sector, which has been the first and the last and the longest hit in, in COVID nineteen. If you look at the supports given over 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 a two year period or any month period, it has been phenomenal from government to the aviation sector and in particular to our airport of, of the airport employees who work at the airport continue to be in employment uh, and been fair to our workers in the airport they have made huge sacrifices they have taken pay cuts, and they've taken re, 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 rescheduling and re, reorientation and work and uh, it is not fair of McBarry to come on here and we can argue many things but the one thing many of us have done in government and have been working in with government is to ensure one jobs continue to investment in aviation is being allowed to happen and continue to happen. Uh, And I won't take any single wagging from the about government support of the aviation sector. We have been very clear on this. The Aviation Task Force Recovery Plan was put in place. We have now seen an investment in in a a project for Cork. And Aer Lingus have an obligation to ensure, as do Ryanair, that their staff are looked after. And I won't be, I'm not shy, or ambiguous in my comments on that. But government have been very clear in its approach okay. all
2: along. OK, can I just, the, the, the one point that's coming in from a number of uh, listeners, and may, maybe, Jerry, you can uh, answer it. Why is, when so few flights have been going out from Cork Airport over the duration of the pandemic, why is the work been done this year? Why wasn't well, it done during, say, a previous lockdown?
7: Well, first of all, the work was, was to be done next year and was, was brought forward. Uh, which is a credit to the airport. And this, this project uh, is being fast-tracked and expedited uh, to the point where we can get it done now in a 10-week period. And the airport, to their credit, and I'm not here to speak for the airport, but I, I've been involved as a member of the Transport Committee in briefings uh, and, and have gone away and investigated other you know, aviation sectors that have done this type of work. They've engaged in extensive briefings around uh, this type of project. And it seems to me to be the best approach it's a 10-week period where the airport will be closed, where, where we will see a runway project started and completed and which will allow for unsettled access in, in the context of, of Cork next I acknowledge, Patricia, and, and I accept the difficulties that the closure of the runway and the airport will have, and it does present challenges. What is the best outcome for, for Cork? At the moment, it's a quiet time. It will have a less severe impact on airlines and on passengers, and it will be done in a safer environment. Thirdly, it'll be done for a 10-week period only. What does that mean? It means that your nighttime flights won't be affected. It means that people who are flying in and out of Cork Airport late at night won't be affected. This is the largest construction project in 15 years. Let's put it... In context. And, and it'll
2: be if back up and running for point.
7: Christmas. If I could just make this point. yeah, and That yeah. is the plan. And, that, and we must hold the airport, the DA, and the construction company to, ta- to hold on that. Look, look at last year, sorry, in 2019, we had 2.6 billion... 2.6 million passengers using Cork Airport, out of 57 routes, right? If we were to have in the peak, please God, in 2022 or 2023, a, a, an airport reconstruction taking place, what would happen? We would have unmitigated chaos. Airlines would, would say we can't continue. There would be, as we all know, you know devastation in terms of, of flights, of, of, of flexibility in terms of routes. This is a 24-hour-a-day, 10-week period. It will cause disruption, absolutely. But I do believe that in the short term, it's the right thing to do to take pains, It's like building a house You know, or, or building an extension. You, you know, you lose your kitchen to recreate a new one. In the short term, in the long term, you get a better model. Okay. And I think in Car this that's what's going to happen. Can I just finish from this point? We must save as many jobs in Cork-Camport and in the aviation sector that is what government has been out and about. Aviation is on its knees. It's been the hardest hit. Traffic is down. We accept that. And if you look at the figures, position, and uh, this is an important point for listeners, business traffic hasn't returned, and leisure traffic, the projection, is not as strong for the autumn as it would have been in other years. So my point is we must ensure that we have a, a healthy aviation sector, and Mick Barry and I would agree on this. The airlines shouldn't use the workforce create cuts and I accept what McBarry is saying that they shouldn't be able to do
2: that OK all right unfortunately the phone lines are really leaving us down today uh, I'm going to leave it there gentlemen thank you both though and thanks uh, for joining us that is uh, Solidarity uh, TD Mick Barry and also on the line of uh, Fine Gael Senator uh, Jerry Butler Now it hasn't been that easy to get a business venture off the ground especially during the pandemic but my next guest has managed to build and expand on the family bakery during that time to chat about Clonakilty gluten-free kitchen which has been recently launched i'm joined by neve scally good morning to you neve good morning Patricia. Uh, how are you i'm very i'm very i'm very well thank you and people will recognize the name scally you're of the clonic Scallies. absolutely yeah <laughs> okay let me take you back to the start of the pandemic you were living in australia why, why did you decide to come home
8: Well, I suppose myself and my new fiance went on an adventure. Um, Now, I was in pursuit of international retail marketing experience at the time. i have been working in Musgrave, and we were always encouraged, you know, to get outside your comfort zone and develop new skills. So we just went on, I suppose, a little adventure, the two of us. And I was working with Cole's Retail Group at the time when the pandemic hit. And unfortunately, I suppose, the advice that had been issued to us because nobody knew what was going to happen was to get home as soon as we possibly could. And we were in a situation at that time where there was flights being cancelled every day, there were suburbs being locked in, and I suppose we never knew what was going to happen and it was quite a scary period. So we did the sensible thing and we came home and both myself and James ended up actually working in my parents' super value in in Um And at that time... I suppose we had our gluten-free bakery range within the shop and obviously with lockdown we were experiencing a lot of requests from people across the country who would have generally been holidaying in West Cork saying, you know, please can you send us a little delivery of the gluten-free range um, because we can't get to you. So I suppose with those requests coming in, I kind of decided, you know, why not rise to a challenge and instead of bringing them to us, why can't we bring the range to them? Um, and I suppose I set about then taking our in-house brand, the kind Gluten Free Kitchen, and transforming it into a fully-fledged independent business. That it is still a, bit of a of Trisha, and it's um, it's a baby company, but it's it's been growing, and we're having a lot of fun learning and developing as we go. And have you always had an interest in
2: gluten-free products? Um,
8: I have a huge passion for food. Obviously, with the with the retail background, food and innovation is part of what we do. And I suppose it's very interesting me having grown up in the countryside surrounded by farmers and producers, but I always had a massive appreciation and saw the value and support in local producers. Um, and I suppose when I see what this range is doing for families, you know, we provide quality, choice and value in our gluten free range and there's a lot of development work put in to grow this. And when I see what joy that the products now bring to families, you know, even recently we launched our uh, apple tart as a result of customers actually contacting us, saying, please bring this to the market. And I actually met a woman in Supervisor Grammar recently, and she said, my God, my father is so happy since he was diagnosed with celiac disease. The one thing he's been craving is apple tart. And it was for us to be able to do this and bring choice and range and you know, food options to people who are a gluten-free or celiac diet you know, I think that's
2: really impairing, and I suppose that's why we do what we do. Yeah, well um, done, well done. And, and, and I don't know, uh, even though I, we have a nutritional therapist uh, who joins us on a, on a weekly slot and, and she talks yes. about, uh, you know, how many people have been either, not necessarily diagnosed as full celiacs, but diagnosed with gluten intolerance. I mean, she definitely yeah. believes that something within us, the Irish, were not really able to tolerate gluten and a lot of people will say to you that they know when they go on a gluten Diet, how much better they feel in them in themselves. So you know, it's it's something that you hear an awful lot more about people looking for good gluten free uh, products. And I'm I'm of a generation. I grew up and I I grew up and I remember one of my school friends was uh, celiac. And God help him. The food at the time was just it, their bread was like eating cardboard whenever there was a birthday party and he'd turn up and his mother would have to bring his food with him. And we saw a look in horror at the food. And it was. And he used to talk about that his food didn't in taste good, that that's what yeah. you've managed to do. You've managed to develop a lot of other products like the apple tart. How many products do you have now?
8: Well, we have we have quite an extensive range. We have 17 lines, and within that, then, we have a mix of yeast breads and speciality breads and confectionery. And I suppose you go back to the taste and talking about years gone by, interestingly, Patricia Munster, actually, over indexes in celiac disease, which is a really interesting um, statistic. But yeah. I know as well from looking at some research recently that apparently 7 out of 10 customers actually buy I suppose gluten-free products because it's lighter on their stomach so I suppose there's something there but I suppose going back to the range, the range is actually developed by non-celiacs for celiacs and with that I suppose we have we have I suppose the opportunity to grow the brand and we focus on quality and taste and obviously food safety when it comes to gluten-free production is, is paramount so everything is so strict and the rules we have to follow and our suppliers are all certified as gluten-free but with that aside, I suppose provenance of ingredients doesn't suffer for it. So we still put in the best ingredients into all of our lines and obviously that's something that would have been developed in my parents' store over the years and that's something that we're carrying forward. And we have real Irish butter in our in our gluten free apple cart, So it's things like that I think that make a difference.
2: You can't obviously, beat real Irish butter.
8: Absolutely <laughs> not. And, and we have clinical kind of Irish yogurt um yogurt in our ocean yogurt loaf as well. Um, so, you know, all these things make a difference. And I suppose it's just making food, food as real for people as it possibly can be. Mm. And I know one of the things that has gone down really, really well with our customers is the real taste of the bread. So we don't add any preservatives. We don't gas flush our our bread in our packaging. Our bread is actually baked during the night. So when I deliver, you know, the shops get multiple deliveries a week. Our customers are guaranteed freshness um as if they would make the bread at home themselves.
2: you are ticking all and the boxes, I'll tell you that. And the Celiac Society of Ireland, you yes. you're obviously you've you've worked in tandem with them, have you?
8: Yeah, yeah, that well that's been we yeah, asked weeks ago and we welcomed Jill Brennan, the CEO of the Celiac Society down um as well as Tara McCarthy, the CEO of Board BS. That was that was an incredible day for the brand to have them down and um, our, our products are now listed on the Celiac Society through list for 2021 so I know our range is something that's been endorsed by Taste by Jill who's a Celiac. Celiac Society yeah, yeah. but I suppose Patricia now that we're listed on this on this in this book I suppose that gives customers the confidence that our products are safe to eat, brilliant. eat. It's and brilliant. and, and you're,
2: you've been so successful you've had to relocate
8: uh, well yeah so I suppose we had the specialised Scotch baker at the back of my parents' supermarket. Um but I suppose in order to be able to grow initially, we had to relocate that um out of Conekility altogether. So now we're in a Cork County Council food production unit in the Bandon area. Um and I suppose the support that we have received from retailers has been overwhelming. They're really after getting behind this new brand, which I didn't really oh, I didn't really expect, I suppose, Patricia. Um and I know the customers have really gotten behind this as well. And since starting, we've gone from few to 12, a mixture of super values and centras. And I was really happy a couple of weeks ago when the Europe Hotel Killarney approached us looking for a range as well. So, How posh? I know, even know. I wouldn't say that now. But <laughs> you know what? it's a great... Um, I suppose it's great for the brand to be down
2: there. Yeah, and oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And you're, you're, the, the it's mainly um, Super Value branches across Cork, is it?
8: Yeah, so we're across Cork fishing and County now, and I suppose going back to the space, we are kind of caught right now we're doing a lot of work and trying to find a larger premises. So I suppose once the space permits um, i'm hoping to get to east cork and we have already started edging our way, in, way into limerick and Kerry and i have i have a few shops in dublin as well who who's been on the phone looking for us so um yeah so we have a lot of we have a lot of good headaches as we would say ourselves but still very small and we're learning and developing and growing and um we're taking our time with that as well
2: Okay, somebody wants to know, could you ask, Neve, is there any hope you can make an apple tart that's gluten-free and dairy-free? Because I've got a problem with both.
8: Oh, God. Um, yeah, and I know I do have a lot of customers who are going in the vegan path. I suppose that's something that we would have to look into. Something for the um, future? It's something yeah, for the future, for sure. For we, sure. we wouldn't be able to use Irish butter then. No, you wouldn't, you wouldn't. And yeah. there will be
2: those of us that want a bit of Irish butter, particularly in, in, in the apple tart, uh, for and sure.
8: And the cream, Patricia. Oh, God, don't
2: talk to me about the cream. <laughs> Listen, do yeah. you do you miss life down under? You were Melbourne, weren't you, in, in Australia? Yeah. Do you miss oh, it? It
8: was, it was an amazing experience, and you know, for, for us. It was probably once in a lifetime to get away and go and explore. And I know my brother there now is hoping to do the same in a couple of months and I think, you know, for anyone in their mid twenties that you know when again could you get the opportunity? So it's it's fantastic and the food and the culture and over there everything was just brilliant. But you know there's there's no place like home no.
2: That's it, and you found your niche for sure. Listen, good luck with it, the Clonakilty uh, gluten-free uh, kitchen. It was a pleasure to talk to you, Neve. Thank you for Thank that. You. Thanks for Thanks joining so. us. Good morning Take to care. you. Bye bye, Neve uh, Young Neve Scally there uh, from the Clonakilty Gluten Free
3: Kitchen. You are listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Can I give
2: a shout out to this because I saw WhatsApp came in earlier uh, on this. Uh, Somebody has been on to say a brown wallet. Was lost in Fields Car Park in Skibbereen. And it contains a large sum of money, but there's also important cards contained in the wallet. Uh, owner desperate to get the wallet back. Obviously, desperate to get the large sum of money back, but the cards, so as not to have to go and cancel all of the cards. And uh, we have the contact details of the person who lost this. It's a brown wallet. Fields Car Park in Skibbereen person is quite adamant that they that's where they, they last saw it and that's where they lost it. So if anybody has details or anybody heard of somebody founding a brown wallet in Fields Car Park in Skibbereen can you make contact with us please and we can put you in contact with the owner who really is desperate to get that wallet back. Time for us to start taking entries for the C103's smart speaker giveaway that we're running right across this week. We've got these wonderful smart speakers uh, to give away. The winning phrase that you're going to have to repeat to me when you join me on air is Play C103. It's as simple as that because if you win one of these smart speakers that's what we will be expecting you to do. Every morning when you jump out of bed you'll be shouting at your smart speaker to Play C103 and on it will uh, come. The C103 smart speaker giveaway with Dundee for all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships. We need you to text or WhatsApp now please along with your name and address and we'll leave it open for about 10 minutes. John Paul will. Select a lucky winner who'll join me on air for a quick chat and to give us the winning phrase of play C one oh three to win themselves a smart speaker. Get texting or WhatsApping, please, to 0862103103. 103. Katrina has been on to us. Wondering, is anybody else feeling the same way as she is? She's been invited to a wedding on the 20th of August, and we know now weddings have gone to, are they at 100 yet? Are They've are they gone to 50. Are they gone to 100? Think they're expected to go to 100, are they, in August? Anyway, she's going to a wedding in uh, August. She has She's fully vaccinated and all of that. She's in her 60s, but she's a little bit of concern around the wedding. She says she doesn't know what to expect. She said, for example, will she be required to wear a mask for most of the day, which would be rather uncomfortable if you're wearing a mask? All day. And she's wondering, looking for listeners' advice, what are others uh, doing? Are others taking up invitations to go to weddings? There are people nervous about going to weddings and are deciding uh, not to go. I, on the wearing of the mask, I think the answer simply is, Katrina, we don't know yet because the wearing of the mask will come in with the board falter guidelines for indoor dining and they're working on those at the moment as we heard earlier when we spoke with Michael Donovan on behalf of the Vintners uh, Federation there will be guidelines put in place that publicans, restaurateurs, hotels for weddings, guest house owners everybody will have to abide by you know things like for restaurants and pubs will you be leaving after one hour 45 minutes. I imagine on the mask wearing what will happen uh, like what happened before, and is sort of happening now within with the outdoor dining. If you are walking around inside, like if you are in a restaurant when you've been seen to your table, you'll leave your mask on, and then when you sit down with your group wherever you are with, you'll take your mask off. But then if you get up to go to the bathroom to the toilet, you'll you put on your mask as you are walking to and from the table. I am assuming. That it will be something similar for weddings, possibly as you're walking into the hotel, you'll have your masks on. But when everyone is seated, you'll be able to take your mask off because obviously you'll have your mask off during the dinner. And if you're having a few drinks when you're out on the dance floor, I don't know. I don't know. Last year, didn't go to a wedding now last year, I have to say. So I don't know how did weddings fare out when it came to the dancing part of it. I know there was going to be strict, there was strict guidelines last year on how many people could be on the dance floor floor and will dancing be allowed and all of that but I can't see you sitting all day at a wedding with your mask on I certainly can't see that happening but as to the set guidelines we won't know until we know for sure the date of indoor dining and then we will await board Volta and they will issue the uh, guidelines to all of the hotels and the restaurants and the pubs uh, etc but anyway we'll give it out to see for anybody else if you've been invited to a wedding are you in a bit of a pickle about it? Are you worried about it? Are you accepting invitations to go to uh, weddings? Some, I mean, I'm of the, I'm in that camp that love weddings. Absolutely love when uh, an invitation comes to the post and I get all excited about it. And there's no part of a wedding that I don't like. Hobby not the same I have to say. He's not the greatest fan of weddings and I don't know if it's a male versus female thing or, or not. I've never once gone to a wedding that I can say I didn't enjoy or I didn't look forward uh, to going uh, to it but others not everybody sees weddings in the, in that light so people may use the pandemic as an excuse to decline an invitation to go to a wedding as well so let's, let's we'll, we'll see are others nervous as Katrina is. She's just a bit nervous about it all but in particular worried about what she be. I, do, I, I, I think think if your concern is just about wearing a mask all day, I would put that out of your head because I definitely don't think that's going to happen because certainly for the meal alone which can go on for about three hours with speeches and all that, you certainly wouldn't be expected to have your mask on while you're sitting down having your meal. Eighteen fifty three 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 one o three. And then a listener says, "Patricia, is it okay to laminate the digital COVID certificate?" It no, don't laminate. We've been telling people to laminate. You know the cards that you got when you went to your when you got vax when you got vaccinated. People who got the two vaccine. Had to get a first and a second job, and you wait, and you got the second date uh, put on it. We certainly were suggesting for people to laminate that one uh, to keep it nice and safe. And even at the vaccination centres, some of the nurses there were saying it's a good idea to laminate it. Uh, but the COVID certificate, no, because it was something that I was thinking of doing as well. I said, "Oh, I'll laminate when they arrive now, laminate them to keep them safe." But we've been told don't laminate them because they reckon if it's laminated, the scanners may not be able to read the information that's on the QR code so you just keep it and you keep it safe I mean the suggestion is that you put it somewhere I mean for instance if you're going to use it for travel put it with your passport I mean that's probably the safest place is to have it with your passport I mean certainly that's what I did when I laminated when we got the three all three of us in the house were vaccinated Marcia was the last to get her second jab and I laminated all three and I've just put them away with the passport for safekeeping and more than anything else but now that we all have our COVID certificates You can put them onto your phone. We're waiting for the COVID Tracker app. If you've downloaded the COVID Tracker app already, we're expecting that that's going to be updated in the coming days and that will allow people to upload their uh, certificate, uh, which will be available then in your phone wallet. And that's going to be very handy if you're travelling because most people have their boarding passes now on their phone. You're also going to be able to put your... COVID certificate on that so that's that's a good move. But for going in and out of restaurants I think people are going to do it a variety of ways. If you have it on your phone you can show it on your phone or if you bring the paper version with you. But no they're saying to people absolutely do not laminate it uh, because it is going to cause problems for scanners and it won't cause problems if you're going into a restaurant and you're handing it into uh, to someone but certainly anyone that's using a scanner it could be a problem so no the advice is is not to do it. And then John says Patricia it's, I'm a first time texter <laughs> good to have you along uh, John. You mentioned about people coming from the UK and I also mentioned people coming from uh, the United States who will be able to bring their vaccination card with them and that would be proof that they've been fully vaccinated if they want to go in for indoor dining. How says John will you be able to prove that the person who's named on the vaccination card is the person who's presenting at the door of the restaurant. Well, John, the very same could be said of our own uh, digital certificates. I think when you go into a local bar, into a local restaurant, a lot of people will know their regular customers. So they're going to know that that's John whatever your surname is, uh, John, and they're going to know that that is your certificate. In you go, John. Enjoy your meal. Enjoy your few pints. But that's not going to be the case with people staycationing and people travelling around or people going to a restaurant for the first time. People aren't going to know you from Adam. They're saying that some restaurants and some bar owners may look for photo ID. I don't know how many are going to do that, but it is a possibility that you could be asked for photo ID as well to prove that John blogs. there's my... COVID digital certificate well how do I know you're John Blogs? well here's my driving licence and okay John off you go in you go now I don't, I'm i not saying that every restaurant and pub is going to do that but there is the possibility it just got me thinking before you go out anywhere now when indoor dining is back up and running you'll be doing all the spot checks of everything that you need to have uh, with you because you know we've, we're we all I think after getting used to making sure we all have a mask uh, with us but we're all now going to have to make sure that we have our digital certificate with us. Are we also going to be having to make sure that we have photo ID with us? You get to a certain age where they stop asking you for ID but maybe we'll be back doing that. We'll be back with the young people bringing our photographic ID with us as well. Only time will tell. 1850 333 and Dan thank you for letting us know about Sean Clancy from Mitchellstown and asking us to congratulate Sean Clancy. I came across this yesterday and I said to myself I must give Sean Clancy from Mitchellstown I mentioned Why are we talking about Sean Clancy from Mitchellstown well, I should give him his correct t- title. Major General Sean Clancy originally from Mitchellstown has been appointed the next Chief of Staff of the Defence Forces. He'll be taking up his position at the end of September. The nomination will now go uh, to President Michael D. Higgins. It's a huge, huge uh, honour and the government accepted the Minister for Defence, uh, Simon Coveney's recommendation to nominate Major General Sean Clancy for the appointment uh, yesterday morning, and what's as an aside to the story, uh, Major General Clancy is the first Air Corps Chief of Staff in the history of the state who will take up this appointment. So he's the first from the Air Corps, and he's got. I was reading some stuff online about him. He's got a huge, huge record within the within the Air Force. Um, uh, he's a man who has seen a lot in his uh, his career for sure, and this has got to be the the ultimate in his uh, career, and I don't know how long ago he lived in Mitchellstown. I know he lives in Dublin now with his wife Caroline and their three children so I don't know did he grow up in Mitchellstown? Is he from a Mitchellstown family? Did he go to school there or not? But there's a lot of people in the Mitchellstown area very proud of the fact that Major General Sean Clancy has been, been, he will be the next Chief of Staff of the Defence Forces. Congratulations Sean and indeed if he's got any family in Mitchellstown no doubt they are very very proud of him and rightly so. John Paul taking you calls at 1850 333 103 and I can see lots and lots of entries coming in for our speaker smart speaker competition so keep those uh, coming uh, into us please you need to text or WhatsApp couple of minutes left before we select our uh, winner for today 0862
0: 103, 103 The C103 Cork Diary. With the new Explore
3: Cork app, a Cork County Council initiative. The perfect way to plan your staycation in Cork.
2: Hey, your last chance, by the way, to take part in the Castle Lines, Cooler Gown, British Way Speed Survey. You can check out their social media for more. The survey closes at 5pm today. Please have your say. Bingo books are now on sale for Kildalli's Home Bingo. This week's Snowball stands at €300. Euro. And the staff of Red Cliff Family Hub will provide emergency accommodation to families experiencing homelessness in Cork. They will take part in a skydive on the 18th of September in an effort to raise funds for the centre. You contribute through their I Donate page, which is Red Cliff Family hub. And Knocknagree Community Development Group, they're holding a drive-in bingo. That's happening next Sunday in the village. The jackpot is €400. You're asked to arrive, please, at 12.30 for a 1pm start.
0: Court Today on C103.
3: With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie
0: This is the Court Today replay on C103. OK,
2: the C103 smart speaker giveaway. Lots of people entering this. Lots of people want to get their hands on a smart speaker uh, who has been selected today from all of our entries. It is Evita Stolotsky. Stel- Hope I'm pronouncing your name right. Yeah, you ba- did. <laughs> uh, did I do OK from Balanaskarthi? Uh, good, af- good afternoon to you. And Evita is your name. Yeah, Oh, it is. That's a beautiful name. As Thank
6: in you so Ev- much. As in Evita, the song? No, it's Evita. No. I think it was Evita Perón, but actually my grandmother picked the name from a dress oh. in the
2: catalogue. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to... But I wonder, has anybody ever sang Don't Cry for me, Argentina, too? Oh, you? every
6: time I, oh, I say my name, they start singing that song. Oh, sorry, and I'm actually... I'm actually too old for that because the song was coming out much later. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and are you a good singer yourself? Could you sing it like? Um, not really. No. <laughs> okay, you've contacted us because you would like to win a smart speaker. Yes. What is the winning phrase, Evita? It's play C103. Congratulations Do you. You have just Thank won you for yourself so a brand new smart speaker. Do you have one at home? No. No, it'll be your first. Every winner so far, it's been their first. You will not know how you survived without one. I guarantee (laughs) you. I guarantee you that. Oh, thank you so much. So what are you doing in Bad Nisgarthi today?
6: Um, I have my kids. I'm minding my grandchildren and I have foster children. So they're outside and I have a little pool for for the smallies. And uh, we go shopping and then to the playground for a bit and then back to the pool.
2: They're all out and it's going to be gorgeous weather for the weekend, isn't it? Oh, I hope so. Is have yeah. you, have, is it cloudy in Balnacarthy today? It is, yeah. Yeah, it was it forecast, but sun sun is on the way from tomorrow. And they're talking about twenty five degrees for sun for Saturday. You might be in the pool yourself, Evita. Yeah,
6: I might be <laughs> if I can get up after.
2: <laughs> get into the pool, you'll be fine. Um, Listen, congratulations to you. Good chatting to you, and uh, well done. We'll so get much, that Patricia. smart speaker to you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank Bye-bye. You. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. Evita Stalotsky from uh, Balnacarthy winning one of our C103 smart speakers. Now Nick will have another one of those speakers to give away this afternoon and then Mark is in for Martina so he'll have another one to give away as well and we'll do it all over again tomorrow. We'll open up the texts and the Whatsapps. That's the only way to enter please. You can only do it by text or WhatsApp because I could see because the WhatsApp is with me here in in the studio. And I could see people were trying to ring the number. You can't ring it. You can only just text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103. So your chance to win again uh, with Nick this afternoon. Now, just some of your texts uh, coming in. Listen to this from Michael. When we're talking about people, uh, indoor dining and only be able to do indoor dining, fully vaccinated people. And there certainly is kind of a mixed, mixed, reaction to it. Some people are taking comfort from the fact that everybody that will be in dining with them are either all fully vaccinated or they've recovered from COVID or they have had a uh, negative PCR test and people will take comfort from that. And then others are saying you're completely discriminating against people who, for whatever reason, don't want to get a vaccination. And as as we mentioned earlier, there are people for medical reasons can't get uh, vaccinated. And then there's also personal choices. And we've always... It's always been said in this country, nobody would ever be forced to get a vaccine. Now, the vast majority of people want to be vaccinated. The vast majority of people have gone forward and they're either already vaccinated or are desperately waiting to be vaccinated. But let's be aware that there are people who are not vaccinated and will never be vaccinated. And Michael is talking about a group that he knows, a couple. Now, he says they're from Leinster. They are heading to Donegal on a bit of a staycation and they are travelling with their two daughters who are both in their 20s. None of the four of them are vaccinated and none of the four of them will accept a vaccine. For whatever reason, in that household, they do not want to be vaccinated. Michael isn't happy about the idea that they're heading off uh, to Donegal on their hollybobs, and they're going off on their staycation. He says, to me, they are 100% variant factories and should be not accepted anywhere. So the idea, well, they won't be, a, they certainly won't be accepted to, they won't be able to do any indoor dining. And that's an example of if you were in a restaurant and you knew that there was a group. Now, I don't know where in Leinster they're travelling from, but take, for example, they were coming from an area, of Dublin, that you knew had high COVID. You knew had high number of the Delta variant and let's be honest when we talk about COVID now we talk about the Delta variant at 80% of the cases now are the Delta variant so it is this highly contagious uh, variant. So if you knew when you went into a restaurant that the four people at the table beside you two metres away but still within breathing distance of you if you knew all of them and come from an area with high COVID and you knew none of them were vaccinated I, that, that I can understand where Michael is coming from on this. People will be more comfortable sitting in a restaurant knowing they're not going to be sitting next to a family like that who have opted not to be vaccinated. Particularly for people who have gone down the route and want to be va- want to be uh, vaccinated, eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. And listen, that family are not on their own. They are in the minority, though. When you look at the numbers who have already been vaccinated and the number that are putting their names for the numbers that are registering, particularly in the younger cohort, the younger age group, huge numbers have registered when they when they opened up for. And you speak to any pharmacist, will tell you their phones were ringing off the hook the minute it was mentioned that people over the age of 18 could go into their pharmacist to get a vaccine. So a lot of young people uh, very much want to be uh, vaccinated. And on vaccination, here's a lovely text. I love when I get these kind of texts in. Hi, Patricia. Yesterday, I received my COVID digital vaccination search by post from the HSE. It was great to receive it because I feel like it's my get out of jail card. And I now look forward to returning to my favourite restaurant in Skipperine very soon. I was vaccinated as a medically vulnerable person by my hospital way back when. Purpose of my text is to say, well done to the hospital that vaccinated me, to the HSC for their efficiency in issuance, issuing my cert yesterday and lastly, to the revenue commissioners dealing with the huge admin task in the issuing of these certs by post for the HSE. And that is signed to Killarney, listener. Isn't that a really nice positive text? Seeing the positive in everything that's happened from when they first received their jab and look for, and, and you're, you're right to look forward and I hope you really enjoy eating out in your favourite restaurant in Skibbereen, And no doubt you've missed going to that gorgeous uh, restaurant. And hi, Patricia. This is from John Fuller, Cantor Community Council. Would you please give a shout out, please? A drive-in bingo will go ahead at the March Grounds in Cantor today. Uh, well this evening at 8pm a limited number of seats will be available for those who will not be travelling by car those who want to attend by foot that's bingo in the March grounds in Canterbury tonight at 8 o'clock good luck to everybody attending that and somebody else is pointing out something that I spotted in the papers earlier today and another, let's try and always look for positives and good news stories. It's a drug that could potentially reduce deaths from COVID 19. It's been identified by Irish scientists. The drug, which is still in the preclinical stage, can prevent the virus that causes COVID 19 from binding to human cells, potentially then preventing damage to the lungs. It can prevent clot formation and the development of sepsis. The study of the drug. And it is pronounced Seleng, Selengitite was carried out by researchers at the Royal College of Surgeons in Dublin. The research in the lab has shown that this particular drug has the potential to significantly reduce deaths associated with COVID-19 and in pre testing, the drug successfully prevented the virus from causing tissue damage which is associated with COVID-19. It did this by stopping the virus from sticking to the cell types that line the lungs and the blood vessel. And I mean, and after the vaccine, that is what we next need, is to try to find as close to a cure as we can from COVID-19. But the best of all is to reduce people getting very unwell and ultimately, obviously, to reduce uh, people from, from dying. So God bless those wonderful scientists and researchers working out of the College of Surgeons in Dublin. eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three
3: lines open.
0: Or- Today
3: on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance, CMIG.ie.
2: And thank you to a couple of people who have pointed out when I mentioned Sean Clancy, Major General Sean Clancy, and I was a native of Mitchelstown, and I was congratulating him on being appointed the next Chief of Staff of the Defence Forces taking up the position in September, and I was saying I didn't know if he had family members or not living in Mitchelstown uh, Noreen was on straight away to say yes Sean Clancy's mother still lives in Mitchellstown along with his brothers and sisters and they're a lovely family thank you for that uh, Noreen and others pointed that out as well once again congratulations to Sean on that appointment now a pilot project that will see extensive COVID-19 testing at University College Cork may play an important role in allowing students to return to on-campus learning to find out more I'm joined from UCC by Dr. John McSherry, who is one of the principal.
0: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com.
3: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited
1: time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: Investigators on this particular project. Good morning to you, John. Good afternoon, as it is, at this stage. Good 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 morning, Patricia. You're welcome. Now, can you outline how this pilot project is actually going to work at UCC?
5: So
9: I suppose the the pilot project, it's uh, four universities around Ireland are involved, UCC, UCD, Trinity and Galway. And what we're going to do is we're going to obviously, you know, the, the universities are open all along, but the students coming on for teaching has obviously been hampered with, um, you know, distancing. So what we're going to do is we've developed an app that the students would sign up Use this app as a symptom checker, and we'll also give students antigen kits, um, so they can self-test at home in their, in you know, their flat or wherever they're living. And then also they'll give us a, we have a tube for saliva, and we test the saliva by the RT-PCR technique, which you'll have heard about in the media, no doubt. Yeah. And um, so the whole process is that this, the students self-test at home. If they do have symptoms, or if they have an antigen positive test, we'll then send them to Dr. Michael Byrne and Student Health, and um, so that they, you know, they don't have to feel that they, you know, if they're worried, there's someone there to look after them, and they can kind of take responsibility for if they are feeling, you know, sick. And we're going to do it on students and staff, so because we're all we're all on campus together, and uh, so we're going to roll, we're, we're kind of slowly rolling it out we're doing expressions of interest at the moment because we're aware a lot of people are on annual leave and you know travelling around in, on staycations um, and then eventually we're going to you know I suppose increase the recruitment and students then will be able to use it as a kind of a, a way just to know that they're I suppose staying safe on campus Yeah
2: yeah, it's it's, it's fantastic and will they test every day?
9: So, what will happen is the testing will do it twice a week, so they 'll just do the janction test It takes about ten to fifteen minutes they 'll do uh, pro- best thing is probably in the morning when you get up and they 'll just do it twice a week usually on a Either, either a Monday or Tuesday or a Thursday. And um, and then they'll upload the results using this app that has been developed by the IT team here. And the app can be, they will take will look at the photo they've uploaded and it'll tell, you know, and they can say, my test is positive or negative. If it turns out it's positive, we'll say, um, student help will contact you and we'll sort you out and see whether you need a COVID swab, you know, so that they then know that, you know, they don't have to worry about... Um, you know, if they're positive. And I think one of the big things what we want to find really is, is we're not looking for people who are very sick. We're looking for people who are asymptomatic. In other words, they may have the virus, they have no symptoms, but they could be shedding the virus. And, yeah. you know, the, a lot of the research over you know over the last year, we found out that 50% of people who have COVID have no symptoms. And then of that 50%, a few, a few people then are kind of the chief spreader and they don't even know they're spreading. And this is what we really want to do is if you can find an asymptomatic spreader, on campus or even at the, in their home then we can say right look let's isolate and then we can figure out what to do next rather than they unintentionally infecting family and friends
2: Will you look for vaccinated and unvaccinated
9: people? Yeah, we're going to do vaccinated, unvaccinated, because we have a lot of medical students who have been vaccinated in the you know last year because they would be on clinical sites. So we're going to take everyone, um, staff and students, who are vaccinated and unvaccinated. Uh, like we're hoping that with the symptom checker and with the antigen test and then with the saliva RT PCR, that we're probably going to find very little positives, which is great because everyone then will be you know aware of you know their status.
2: Will you will you also be able to assess different types of tests to see which is the most uh, efficient?
9: Yeah, so the so the ancient test, you know, there's been a bit of controversy about the sensitivity, but they're kind of two different types of tests. So the RT PCR, which you've will heard about. Which is related to you know you've heard of nasopharyngeal swab. Yeah, we're going to be using the saliva for the rt and the saliva is just as good as the nasopharyngeal swab for detection. And then we'll compare the antigen test to this. Now, the antigen tests are very good at detecting high viral loads when you're when you are infectious and you're shedding. Um, it's not very good at detecting very small viral loads, say when you're recovering and you're probably not infective. Um, but the the antigen tests are very good at finding if you are infective, and and that's that's the key really is if someone is infective. That we can fi- find them and say look isolate and you'll recover and you'll be fine but the, the, between the ancient test and the RT-PCR we'll be able to back each other up and we'll be able to compare the two tests
2: as well That's good that's right. it's really good and obviously this will be voluntary you're, you're asking for staff and oh, students yeah. to volunteer
9: Yeah definitely it's all voluntary like you know no one's no one's not restricted from coming on campus um, you know it, it's just we want to just get a snapshot of what's happening we're going to be doing a, what we call a surveillance and a screening arm so the surveillance will be some people will be able to test test for eight weeks, twice a week, and then some people will just be able to test for just, you know, two weeks, Um, so it'll be four samples, and it's just to get an idea of what's happening on campus, how people are getting on, you know, with the test, how they find it, and I suppose the main thing really is empowering people to be able to do the test at home, and they feel, look, yeah, I'm happy, I did my symptom checks, I was fine, I did my ancient test, I'm fine, and, you know, and then they, they, they feel a sense of security about going back on campus.
2: And when do you expect to have all students back on campus, John?
9: So, all students back on campus? Well, it's it's hard to know, really. We're obviously waiting for, you know, guidance from higher up, from Simon Harris's department. Um, but I think, like, what we'll have to do is we'll probably have sa- people back safely on campus for teaching. It'll probably be a phased approach, I think, and uh, we'll probably have to wear masks for a while until we get an idea. But I suppose it's Probably beyond the remit of the of the research project at the moment.
2: Yeah, it's been tough on students, hasn't, hasn't it, it? Particularly the first years.
9: Oh yeah, I, I, you know, I really feel for the the people who did their leaving Cert and came into first year and some of them have not even stepped on foot on campus. And uh, you know, I, I remember when I first went on, you know, on to UCC a long time ago now. But uh, you know, it was great. She met loads of new friends, and you know, just loads of societies, and it's you know, it's a so it's a social as well as you know, an academic pursuit. And uh, I really feel for the students and you know, the, the kids because it's you know, they're missing out on so much, and maybe hopefully this project will be able to help them give them sense of security. You know.
2: Okay, and are you looking for students to now sign up and show their interest? So
9: yeah, so what we're doing is we have this uh, website called unicov.org and people can look out, log into that and there's a UCC section in that um, and they can then what we call an expression of interest and they just give us their email and uh, and then we'll contact them back and then we just get their consent that they're happy we just give them some information on what we're doing and what's needed and if they're happy then we'll sign them up and uh, we'll get them access to the app and with the antigen kits so we're at the moment we're just doing expressions of interest and I know from a lot of colleagues on campus as well you know a lot of people are kind of going on holidays so we're just building up and we have a few logistical issues that we've just sorted out with you know organising the kit collection and where people can go so, so that's all you know it's going really well and we've done two pilot kind of uh, studies on campus already just through you know mi- minor little pilots of pilots as we call them yeah. and we've got a good learning of what's needed and things to fix so there's a great team here in the background Helping.
2: Brilliant, and and you know, I think when, when when I was reading up on this yesterday, I mean. People want to do the right thing. I don't think you're going to have any problems getting people to sign up and say, yeah, more than willing to, to get involved. Yeah,
9: we, we, yeah, like you know, we've got like, the feedback has been brilliant, you know, and uh, we were, you know, the students' union are well behind us. Lady Asha Woodhouse is the head of the president's students' union. She's great, and you know, like we want people to buy in, staff and the students, and uh, you know, it's just I, I, like as you said, you know, people want to do the right thing, and, and uh, you know, I think this will prove it as well, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, listen, good luck with it, John, and thanks, I mean, for taking time out to talk to us. Thanks for very uh, Good afternoon Take to care. you. That is uh, Dr. John McSherry, who is the Deputy Director of Graduate Entry Medicine at UCC on that new pilot project. We wish them well uh, with it. listen literally just sent in a text saying, could you check this out for me, please? I got my EU digital COVID certificate yesterday, but the name of my certificate is different to the name of my passport. I go as Ted, but the name of my birth certificate and passport is actually Timothy. How do I go about rectifying this? Thank you if your help. We're going to send an email to the Department of Foreign Affairs uh, because you're not on your own with that. There's others even even in my own household. uh, My own daughter Marsha. that's not the name on her passport, it's just the name that we call her uh, and that's the name on her search as well and we've had others in a similar pickle. So we're going to find out it's okay if you're going into a restaurant, it won't matter but certainly for international travel I don't know if it's going to be an issue or not so we will send an email off and hopefully get an answer back uh, tomorrow. Okay, that's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick is with you for the afternoon. We we are back with you tomorrow morning at 10. I'm Patricia Mester.
0: Very good afternoon. Court Today on C103.
3: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Sale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. Cmig.ie.
0: Selling a little? Or a lot? Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo.